Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I always feel like I'm in Star Wars there, don't you, Skeen, when we're getting counting down? So. Galaxy far, far away. Exactly. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com TV show. I'm Chris Ballas with me, Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All-Big Ten offensive lineman. Skeen, I was getting to some film of Iowa from back in the day when you played. It was a long oh time boy. ago. Yeah, it wasn't black and white, but it was a while back. And and you guys were playing. I was trying to figure out if you'd played in two, t- two times in Iowa City or just once. In 1989, you were down there on the extra point team, Michael T- Taylor scores, Michigan's quarterback on a keeper, and they're skiing, listening to Bo Schembechler in his last year say, let's go for one. So you must have been on that point after team, huh? 
PAT and field goal of Ballas back yeah. in the day. It was, it was tough to crack the lineup when you had a bunch of All-Americans yeah, in front of you. So <laughs> Yeah, but hey, you were out there. and uh, I was there. <laughs> listening to Bo Schembechler. Pink, and pink, uh, pink locker room walls and all. We're going to get to that. So, But first, we're going to talk about Michigan-Maryland <laughs> and um, a weird one, 34-27. to 27. You know, the, the disappointing part of that, really, there were a couple things there. Uh, the, the final drive, they had a couple chances to get off the field. We'll talk about that. You know, I think a third and forever and then a fourth and something that where the, the backup quarterback scrambles. And uh, so that was a little disappointing, you know, and to get up to such a hot start and then to kind of go into a shell, I think that 163 yards I tweeted with about two minutes to go in the first half. And then Blake Corum ends up ripping one off and they get a couple big plays. So, mm-hmm. but first things first, let's give credit to Maryland who was better than we thought they were going to be. I think both of us agreed when we were talking and uh, you know, a great quarterback who, with the exception of a couple passes that were great picks, number one, uh, really did some nice things. Number two, they've got some athletes up front on both sides of the ball, and they didn't have any uh, turnovers or not turnovers. They didn't have any penalties. So they had 15 penalties the week before, and they think they had their first penalty with about two minutes to go in that game. And I'm looking at the stats right now. And yeah. they won. One yeah, penalty. they had one penalty the entire five game. yards. So, yeah. And so give them credit. Uh, they played a great game. Mike Loxley, Maryland's coach, said, you know what? I don't care. There are no moral victories. It's more about us than them. Whatever. You know what? Give Michigan credit for finding a way. The stats weren't gaudy, if you look at them right there. 397 yards and probably 50 or so at the end of the game when Michigan was playing a little bit soft. And you still, again, you would like to see them get off the field on yeah. some of those third downs, three of three fourth downs. However, a win is a win. And I will say it again, go back. Back to that Rutgers game last year, Skeen, they looked like crap, and then they came back and they played pretty well. So I'm going to – the bottom line, you win, right? Yeah, we're not uh, we're not going to get too excited either way here. I think there's some really good indicators coming out of this game, but absolutely credit to the Maryland football team there. I was listening to Karsh and, and John's radio broadcast at the end there, and uh, absolutely, they, they're like, this, this Maryland team is going to be interesting to see how they balance out this Big Ten East over here. They're going to give some teams some problems. I'm not sure how much of problems they're going to give, uh, uh, you know, Ohio State. And I'm not so sure what they're going to do against Penn State in, because they. I'm not so sure how they can defend that rush. Um, but definitely they've got a quarterback that can make some plays. They got a transfer wide out that came in from Florida that was making plays. And that Maryland team was was better than advertised coming in. And I think when you combine that with the fact that Michigan had played three awful football teams, uh, finally they got punched in the mouth. I can't remember what point of the point of the game was for the first time all year. They were behind. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I'm watching this. I'm going, OK, let's see how they respond. Let's see how that t- let's see the body language in that huddle. Do they tighten up? Do they loosen up? And I, I was pleasantly surprised that Michigan's playmakers across the board in different areas of the team, stepped up and started making plays. It wasn't always pretty, though, Ballas. So clearly this Michigan team, as most teams do, um, you know, they get into this Big Ten season and there's a lot more on the line. Maryland came in and proved that. And at times we were struggling to block them in in the rushing game. And at times we had a hard time getting them off the field defensively. We weren't getting to the quarterback a whole lot in that first part of that football game. So he was sitting back there at will doing what he wants. And as we all know in college football, if you can't get to the other quarterback, you're in trouble. 
And, and we're going to so, talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that pass rush in a minute. But uh, yeah. you and I talked off the uh, off the air here for a second about some of the problems that the the Michigan or the Maryland guys up front on defense gave the Michigan offensive line. And and two things yeah. now: Trevor Keegan didn't play, uh, probably yeah. questionable for next week too. So that's disappointing. Number one. Uh, so you really haven't had one offensive line all year, and uh, Carson Barnhart still nursing uh, from what you, what you understand is a bad ankle. So I was going to ask you first. First of all, with these guys and these ankle injuries, how tough is it as an offensive lineman? Everybody's like, oh. ah, tape it, tape it up, man. Yeah. But when you're trying to get that leverage, man, uh, how tough is it, it hurts. to play on a bad ankle? It, yeah. it depend, depending on how bad that ankle is mangled, yeah. it hurts because mm-hmm. everything is, you know, all that strength and body weight and everything, plus the weight of the defender transfers down into your feet. And so if it ain't, if it ain't good down there at the ankles, down to your big toe, it, it hurts. So that I can see why – you know, they're, they're holding guys out and to, to get them better to play another day. And, and along those lines, it, at times, uh, you know, the young left guard who we were praising last week for his effort and his tenacity, he got into some matches. And at times he was overmatched. The young there, young El Hadi, he was uh, stoned at the line of scrimmage a couple times and kind of tossed off a block. And a guy was right there and some key third downs. And we weren't getting push over there. So, but again, not surprising. He's a young guy. And he'll get those things figured out. You know, I'm watching him closely and running the thing back. And he's a little bit high and his feet didn't get going and his hips didn't get into the block. And I'm like, yeah, I remember those days. It was a long, long time ago for me. When you get into a higher level of competition in a Big Ten game, it's like, oh, boy. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a progression. So there were times out there where it's like, you know, boy, there's a big negative play. And, and, and credit to the Maryland defense, too, Ballas. I mean, as Michigan moves into this season, and we talked about this coming in, I, I mentioned it in, the, in my, in my uh, prediction for the game, this playbook has to open because I'm watching Michigan run their base offenses where you're blocking down one side and you're pulling guys around to kick the end and somebody for the front side linebacker. Defenses are figuring this out, and as soon as they see that action, Defenses are adjusting to allow a front side linebacker to absolutely dart up in there. And that was giving Michigan problems. Yeah. And so if, if Michigan's going to continue to play with a limited playbook, then they're going to have, they're going to be forced to open that stuff up to do some things off of that familiar look, or they're just going to have to block it better. And the, and the second man who's pulling around up in there for the front side linebacker is going to have to understand that dude's not going to be sitting back in there soft. He's probably going to be coming like a bullet, and I'm going to have to meet him in the hole. It looked like at times we weren't ready for that. Yeah. Did they adjust at all as the game went on, or was it the same thing? No, I think there was adjustments. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when, when you when you play against the first three opponents that we did, and you can come around there, and it's like, oh, this is a walk in the park. I can, I can size this guy up and come around the corner, and I, I get into someone who's, you know, not Big Ten caliber, and I'm going to make that block easily. And all of a sudden, you get into the Big Ten, and all of a sudden, they're, they're scouting you better, and that linebacker's not going to be sitting in there waiting on you. He's going to come up and punch you right in the mouth, and, and what that means in football, he's going to come up and put his helmet right in your throat. Yeah. So you ha- it's a different block when you get over to the front side there. And so I saw that a couple times. Zinter had one late in the game where he came over there, and he just absolutely got – punched right in the mouth figuratively and uh, didn't move anybody. And this is the, this is the adjustments that that coach Moore will go through with his guys and they're going to practice this. And they'll tell that demo team to to show this stuff as we come in, certainly this week against Iowa. And so they're, they're going to have to adjust and get cleaner 
blocking the stuff they're most familiar with. Yeah, and we'll get to your question in one second, Shadyville 03. Um, you know what? It's interesting. It's it's certainly not a bad thing when you start a football game like they did. You get a, a fumble on the kickoff, and then you score yeah. in one play. And yeah. you're probably thinking, you know, I was turning to, to Birchie, one of Karsh's buddies there, and, and one of our buddies, and I said, hey, you know, is it time to wrap this thing up yet? You know, after you score that first yeah, touchdown, yeah, you yeah. think maybe Maryland's going to tur- lay down, and, and that's going to be it. But you know what? They punched back and give them credit for that. But I think Lots. you're right. When you are looking at three patsies like they played initially, and Colorado State, for example, got beat by Sacramento State 41 to 10, yeah. okay, and had less rushing yards than they had against Michigan, then maybe you've got that false sense of security, like, hey, this thing's going to be easy. But mm-hmm. to, like you said, to their credit, Michigan woke up a little bit too. And and really the play of the game for me, one of them was DJ Turner's interception. And I know that they didn't overturn it, you know, and they didn't look at it. Maybe, maybe it hit the ground, maybe it didn't, but it was a great play. That was a, a game changer there. And those are the kinds of plays that you have to make sometimes to escape in games like these. Well, that was, that's a huge play, and, and I and I hated the television broadcaster's commentary on there. Oh, I think that ball was loose. I, that was an incredible play by that mm-hmm. kid. I mean, that was just an awesome interception. And so that that, that key play, and, and, and then Corum's running and his toughness and durability and being able to see things out of his peripheral as he's got that football and those short yardage plays where he busted the first one in the first half. And he just got that knack. He's got that vision to find something. The patience when the blocks are setting up, but also when the blocks aren't there to find a crease. And he did both of those things and did them very, very well. And then also there were a couple of short yardage plays where he didn't you know, have a clean look and he just put his head down and got into a linebacker and still fell forward. Yep, and that's and that exactly was, what I was going to bring up. Hassan yeah. Haskins, we were wondering if they were going to miss him. It was early in the game. It was a third and one. Yeah. And he's got those big legs churning and two guys. He pushed backwards and got two yards yep. when he needed one. So I thought that was yeah. pretty huge. So The question uh, from, uh, I forgot who, who Shadyville. Said, put it Shady, on up there. Uh, yeah, so do we think we should run more with zone blocking schemes? I think that is the curveball. It's a great question, Shadyville. Uh, you know, Michigan's base offense is this power gap man that we've been talking about now for a couple of years, and they explain do it very that. well. Explain that real quick. Well, what that means is 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 a, you got five linemen plus a tight end. You know, we're going to have six guys. We're going to pick six guys to block, and it's going to be combination. Let's say if I'm playing right guard, me and the right tackle are going to take this down lineman to middle linebacker. And between the two of us, we're blocking these two guys, period. And the center is going to block the zero shade. If this, he's got somebody on his eye, the center is going to block him on one-on-one. On one. And then they're going to pull the backside guard around for the front side linebacker, or pull the backside guard to kick the defensive end. And the backside, you know, maybe a filling tight end or somebody's going to come around for the front side linebacker. Every man is accounted for is what this basically means. When you switch to zone blocking, you don't know who you're going to end up blocking. Everybody takes a space. So usually what happens in zone blocking is the entire offensive line and tight ends will all step to the left or to the right. And when you do that, you block whoever shows up in your gap. So if you're the center and we're zone blocking left, you have whoever shows up in the left A gap. And the left guard would have whoever shows up in the left B gap. That could be a down lineman who's who's in that gap already. Could be a down lineman who's over the tackle and stunts into that gap. Could be a linebacker who comes up front side or backside and shows across your face. Whatever shows up in your gap is who you block. And it it is the curveball to the Michigan's base offense, which is that power gap stuff. Yeah. And then, but you can play play action off of it. I would guess 
in, in the question about, you know, which back would be best suit for it. Corum did really, really well with this last year. Yeah. Did outstanding with it. And Edwards has got the athleticism and the speed to do both. I think you could do zone blocking with either one of those guys, and it will be a nice changeup. And, you know, as the season goes on and that playbook gets open, I think we'll see some more of it. Last year, it was the curveball. It looks like it's going to be again this year. Yeah. How much did they run last year and how early? I remember seeing it against Washington. Yeah. Yeah. And, the the uh, Washington had a lot. There was a few big runs with exactly. the wide zone. Everybody's going really wide. You're just trying yes. to get to the edge and you're trying yep. to just you're trying to seal everything to the inside. And then boom, um, there's the hole. And, he, and, and then you're right. And the, and, the, and the back has to commit. Usually it's three steps commitment to the front side of the play. So if the, if the zone blocking is going left, the back has to take three steps before he's allowed to cut it back. Okay. And the reason that's important is because those linebackers are watching that flow and the linebackers will start to flow this way. And if you can get those linebackers flowing, then you give your lineman a chance to get on them and then you can cut it back backside and it might be huge. So zone blocking is from a lineman's point of view, even a tight end, it's a lot of fun when you have a back that understands how to take advantage of what we're doing. Yeah. And then both of these guys that, that Michigan has back there can do that. Assuming Donovan Edwards comes back next week and sat out again this week. So uh, going to be very interesting to see if they can get him back because they need him. You, I yeah. mean, Blake Corum, 30 carries, and I love this kid. You know what? But you don't want him getting beat up. And uh, you know what? I, I, I say that, but remember, Hassan Haskins had several games last year where he was the, the bell cow. And I think that Blake Corum is certainly capable with the amount of time that he puts it in the weight room. You can see it. But yeah. uh, against Iowa, they're going to have to do something different, Skeen. And uh, – Bud, we're going to get to your, your question in just a minute. But when I talk about Corum here, uh, the, the good news about him, Skeen, is that he's not getting caught for yards for loss or anything either. So uh, these guys seem to seem to be doing a little bit better job here uh, in the last week or two, especially uh, up front, even though they're mixed and matching there on the offensive line. But Blake Corum, to me, on first of all, on the, the first touchdown right before the half that put him up 17 to 13, that was a quick one. And I, you know what? That generally hasn't worked real well for them when they rush to the line and they try to catch somebody off guard this time it did and Blake even said they weren't set I thought that worked to their advantage it was a huge play in the game well it's it appeared that's because I, I was sitting watching that part of the game like call mm-hmm. timeout call timeout call timeout the play gets snapped and off goes Corum and yeah. the guy the guy was sitting there watching he's like boy you sound like an idiot right now I was like well you know what I am an idiot sometimes so but it was clear that that Michigan had two plays called going into that set right there right so they, they ran the, pre- the previous play, didn't get what they wanted, and they were, here they go, here they go. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my God, we're going to get a penalty. We're not going to be set. And so they called the play, and Corum saw the, the leak off the left side there because there was nothing in the middle, and off he went. And so if, if that was by design, then good for him. Uh, you know, Corum showed a lot of gut and grit in that football game. It reminded me of, obviously, Haskins last year, but going back to the Chris Perry at Michigan State. Remember that one, Ballas? 52 years carries. Ago, yeah. 52 carries. Unbelievable stuff. So this is not new and different. Uh, you know, Corum obviously is up to the challenge. He's going to be asked to do a lot this week. And so, you know, when you have that many rushing yards and that kind of success, the question that was put up there a minute ago, from one of the watchers here was, you know, play action off of it. Yeah. It's, it's, you would think you'd see a lot more of that. Yeah. Play action only works when you're good at running football plays on the ground. And Michigan was doing that. Although I felt like at times um, it was the Blake Corum show, because just like that football, that touchdown right before the half, 
if that thing was meant to go between the tackles, that's not where it went for the touchdown because there was no room between the tackles. So Coram was making yards up where he found them, right. not always where it was supposed to be. But I was a little surprised at the lack of the play action too. A lot of pocket stuff in there. And then, of course, the read zone stuff, which is a, you know, a threat when J.J.'s got the ball in his hands. Yeah, and you got to be careful now with Cade McNamara out because you are one play away from Davis Warren or Alan Bowman and guys who have not played a lot in the Big Ten. Alan Bowman has some experience, obviously, at Texas Tech. Yeah. But, and these guys are, are neck and neck, uh, folks. It, from what we heard last week from our sources inside Schimbeckler Hall, they didn't announce a backup. But those guys got about the same amount of reps. And then you got Alex Orgy, too. But with those freshmen, especially on the road, we saw with C.J. Stokes, the running back, he fumbled. We didn't see him again. So yeah. you've got to stick with your guys uh, at Iowa. And your hope that J.J. Well. McCarthy <laughs> is told, if you're going to be keeping on the read option, you better get down, son. Against well, the there's this. So I got, I got to be honest. Let's talk, about, let's talk about this quarterback play a little bit from, from the game against Maryland Ballas. At times, it was – at times, I was like – where is McNamara? Where's the where's the McNamara part of McCarthy? Get rid of the football. Right. You can't run around all back there. Turn your back to your tackle. Flip around. Go backwards, backwards, backwards. And this is the stuff that makes me nervous. Yeah. And there were a couple plays where it's like, dude, just throw it in the dirt. Let's live for another play. But he can, he's trying to extend, extend, extend. And I think when quarterbacks get greedy, the law of averages can st- can stand up and bite you right in the butt. And it did on the one play where we, luckily we got the ball back when he, right. it was it was considered a fumble or or uh, uh, when he when he when the when he put the ball on the ground, I thought the ball would be called dead there. But and then there was another play later in the game where it was it was a beautiful pocket thousand one thousand two. 2003 and it's like dude you gotta throw it you gotta throw it and then i think it was quorum uh one of the backs lost his block it was four seconds in and he still has the football in his hand dude you don't get that kind of time and i don't care how good that offensive line is you got to get rid of the football and the and the wide receivers got to get open so that part concerns me a little bit with a quarterback that's getting a little greedy counting on his athleticism maybe a little bit and I know after the one play there where he put the ball on the ground, it was it was ruled yep. a fumble there. I saw Sharon Moore come up and have a little a little chat with uh, with JJ on the sideline. I'm thinking that coach right there, Coach Moore's got to be telling him, "We love you. We love your athleticism." Don't do that anymore. Yeah, we didn't see it in the second <laughs> half. And you know who used to do that, right? It was Jim Harbaugh. He right. was a riverboat gambler back there running around all over the place. So, But even Jim's got to be telling him, hey, you know, and that's why they liked Cade McNamara last year. You know, you had some riverboat gambler and J.J. McCarthy. So, uh, yeah. And on that one play specifically, I think it was a second and 10 play. They were in field goal range. That takes them out of field goal range. Yeah. And very fortunate to get that ball back because the Maryland guy was close to it. So two yeah. on the ground. He had one bad pass that probably should have been picked. It was really close in the end zone. But at the same time this is his third start folks so and you look yep. at the numbers 18 of 26 for 220 and two touchdowns 69 percent. so he's not going to be perfect but a couple things that he needs to do better uh yeah. number one is and, and charles <laughs> woodson told him this after the game he said look son when you got that room man if if you're, got, you're running four verts and everybody's downfield and you know they're rushing four guys and you get all that time and you got the middle of the field use go. your legs use your you goddamn go. talent and he that's has right. not done much of that you can always slide and get down right so yeah. that's number one um, number two, uh, I'd like him better when they're rolling him out right now. You know what? Yes. And it seems to me that, you know what, he's scanning the field and I don't think it was entirely his fault. There were a lot of times that guys just weren't open. So, but exactly what Shadyville says, get that yeah. out of that pocket by design. When he's rolling out, man, yep. and he's looking downfield, boy, that ball's on the money. And I like him when he's moving. 
He's really athletic on the run, especially when it goes to his right, right? Obviously being a right-handed guy. So maybe when you're on the left hash, you do some of that stuff or middle of the field. And so you can do that. Um, uh, and, and it also, by, by design, it takes away a third or more of the football field uh, when he's rolling to his right. By rule, quarterbacks are never supposed to throw back across the field. Right. Um, and it's just a cardinal sin of, of quarterbacking. You're never supposed to do that. But I think I agree with you, Ballas. He, he's comfortable when he's when he's doing that. He's got, you know, if there's nothing there, if you got, you know, got your short, mid and deep, if there's nothing there, he can always tuck it and sc- scurry up in there for whatever he can get. Uh, but but Charles is right. When it, when you see defenses like that, take off and do it. But you mentioned this is only his third start or right. fourth start, right? This is right. Third, third start. Third start. Fourth start. Yeah. Third. Third. I'm sorry, because yep. I forgot about week one. Right. It's game four, third start. Yep. Remember, his first two starts were against terrible football teams, Bow. Terrible. Scrimmages. Absolutely. So this was the first start against somebody who was giving him some real heat and some real action. So this is a this is this game was far more of a learning curve for this young quarterback than the other two combined. Yep. And 69% completion percentage. You know what? He was at 80 something percent. That wasn't going to, that wasn't going to happen. Now the ones that he did miss skiing are balls that he said he wanted to have back. He missed some deep balls, deep balls, get yeah. a couple guys, you know, and, and yeah. that was kind of the knock on Cade McNamara last year was, ah, oh, you got to uh, hit these guys in stride yeah. at the same time, guys, it's not a high percentage pass. Number one, that's what you got to remember. Number two, it's not like these guys were 10 yards behind the, the defenders. Yeah. But the one exception and that yeah. was Ronnie Bell on a third and two play. And generally, I do not like the all or nothing approach on third and two. If you're a Lions fan, you know what I'm talking about today. Mm. A third and one, you don't even want to know. You probably don't even know. Ballas, Ballas, I'm in on the Lions, man. I sat here yeah. watching this game and I, I and, know. The game, and the game ended and, and I'm sitting there watching it with my son and it's like, so this is what it's like to be a Lions fan. This is fan. what it's like to be a Lions fan. <laughs> I don't I want any part guys, of this. <laughs> no. And if it weren't raining and wet out there, even with Hutch, I would have put it on there. And Hutch was a little quiet today. I would have been out there golfing with you, you know. But yeah. uh, And that's what I I said. You know what? You can't invest in these guys. They're going to break your heart. But regardless, on the third and two pass to Ronnie Bell, Ronnie Bell is about 10 yards behind the guy. Makes it, yeah, That's a huge play in the in the football game. But that's one area where he's got to put a little bit more underneath the ball. And he said, yeah. this is the best my arms felt in a long time. Those are plays he could make in my opinion yeah and and you're absolutely right so a year ago everybody was like oh mccarthy can't hit the or uh, mcnamara McNamara. can't hit the deep ball you can't do this we want jj in there and i'm like okay this is this little harder than it looks right Mm because i think roman wilson was open on a couple and he just missed the stride and and off he went so you know i again i think this coaching staff will coach this young guy to play within the guardrails of his capabilities and try not to do things that are outside of him it's going to be required Saturday at Iowa and in future games. Yes, you are physically capable of doing some special things. It doesn't mean you should try all the time. Right. Now, Blake Corum had one 47-yarder, I think it was, where he bounced outside, too. It didn't look like it, there was anything in there. How did the line do run blocking? 243 yards indicates that he got some stuff oh, yeah. between the tackles, too, and these guys are doing yeah. well. Now, the big runs might not have been on them, but they had their moments. No, that, that, Ballas, I'd say it. A, a bit streaky, but you cannot deny the effectiveness on the ground. It was very good. But at other times, it's, you know, what really registers on me is I was like, man, that's a tackle for loss. Where, you know, guys getting tackled or avoiding defenders two yards in the backfield. Well, that's got to be cleaned up. It's got to be eliminated to be a championship team. You got to get rid of that stuff. And so, but but all in all, I thought the that the Michigan offensive line blocked pretty doggone well. I thought the tight ends in there 
Schoonmaker and uh, the young, you know, Bredesen that's in there. Uh, the kid, the kid's blocking pretty hard. And I'm like, okay, this clearly there's there's plenty, still plenty to work with here in this offensive front, but yet it's not perfect, right? And we talked about the young left guard earlier, and but but even you know Zinter got got missed a couple in there. And again, you know, again the standard is very very high. If you're an offensive lineman, you always want to grade out at 80 percent or higher which used to get you in the Victor's club for the week. And you got to wear the special Jersey and practice and all that stuff. And I would say this last week, I would say most of those guys probably did grade out at 80 or more um, because they played really well. I just get greedy when I see the tackles for loss in key situations or on third downs. And the stat that was up earlier, third down, I think we were five of 12. And so uh, you got to stay away from third and longs. How do you wait? How do you stay away from third and long? Don't have negative plays on first and second down. Yeah, and some of that stuff was on the Michigan offensive line. So we gotta you gotta avoid that stuff here as these yep. games get tougher. Yeah, twenty-two first downs. So what was what the jersey look like? Like have a gold star on there or something? That's you know it was uh, it was it Smiley was face. it was it was navy blue. And just so you know, so the way Michigan practices, and I still think Jim still does it today. The offense wears the colors of of uh, the home or the way wherever we're playing. Like so, for the first month of the season, the offense is always wearing blue. And the defense has to wear white. And then uh, when when now it's Iowa week, so the offense will wear white and the defense will have to wear blue in practice. Well, back in the day, if you made the Victor's Club, you got to wear a special navy blue jersey. It had a gold. It looked like a helmet sticker, Ballas, the old okay. school helmet stickers, which is on my helmet sitting up here. Yeah. Um, and it said in big old letters across the top, Victor's Club. Right. Okay. And it was it was like a it was like a little piece of pride out there for the week. And if you're one of the guys without a Victor's Club jersey on, it was like, e boy, man, I want to be there. Yeah, you want to be there. So interesting stuff. It's good stuff. So overall, the line played pretty well. How about the defensive line? I thought they were leaky. And I, I've said this all year. I, I want to see how they're going to do against teams that line up against them. Iowa, we'll get to Iowa in a second, but they are not a great running team, but they are a very physical team. And I thought at a few times until they really challenged Mozzie Smith, I thought Mozzie Smith was at a at a standstill a few times. She's a chance to be dominant and will need to be in a game like Iowa. But uh, it concerns me a little bit that they aren't getting off blocks at times and five, six yards a pop there at times, especially in the second half. That was the second half and that first half drive after uh, after Maryland got settled down after the big turnover there. It was a 75-yard drive, Ballas. Yeah, yeah. And they were and they were just coming right at Michigan at times. And I'm like, okay, D-line, they're clearly challenging you here. It's time to see somebody make some plays. And on that particular drive, it was right down the field, cramming it down your throat, and here we go. And then Maryland had success in different parts of the football game doing some of the same exact things. And so, yeah. again, again, this is the first time we're seeing Michigan play against a quality offensive line. Not a great offensive line. But above average offensive line in Maryland, I was, you know, yep. uh, a couple guys in there are pretty doggone good. They're going to be in, they're going to be pros. There's no doubt. Yeah, there's yep. a couple. I think the right tackle kid looked pretty good, and uh, I yep. can't remember if it was left guard or but but Maryland's got some offensive linemen now. So I'm watching this defensive line. They're interacting with a real a real opponent, and I think there's an adjustment period again. The the first three opponents we played, I keep saying this, they were terrible. And so that Michigan defensive line was having its way. So after after Michigan's defensive line had that done to them, I thought, all right, how are they going to respond? What are they going to look like here? And to their credit, 
They got it, go, got it going, started doing some things, causing disruption, got to the quarterback there, absolutely drilled him and buried him at the you know 50-yard line almost. That kid got destroyed. Yeah. And so they started putting heat on him, yep. and this is what happens. You have to raise your game in these moments, and I thought the Michigan do- defensive line adjusted well although clearly at times was just flat out getting blocked. Yeah, and Talia, somebody posted there that uh, it's going to be the most mobile quarterback until Stroud. Stroud's really not that guy, but I tell you who is, Sean Clifford. My boy Hutch's quarterback is going to be moving out of the pocket, uh, going to be like another running back in there sometimes. So you've got him yeah. to look forward to, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting. So uh, how, how concerned are we skiing about the pass rush here? Because with four guys, they were struggling at times. There's no question. I didn't see guys with moves until the end of the game. And I saw some, I really expected to see more of Derek Moore and Iyabi Oki now is his name instead of Anoma. I really thought these guys being from Maryland, they're going to get him in there in some pass rushing situations where these guys are going to be pretty good. And at the end of the game, Derek Moore gets a sack. Uh, yep. But these other guys, the moves are bull rush moves, and I'm not seeing anything else. I'm yeah, seeing bull, bull there rush no second, is a there's yeah, no there's, second move there. So the diversity of a defensive lineman's moves is it can be often his strengths. So if, you, if you're not a dominant, just physical force, and you can't just run people over, you need to have two or three pitches to throw at an opposing offensive lineman, whether it's a drop-the-shoulder rip move or a swim move. We haven't seen any spin moves, right? <laughs> Last year, no. Ajabo was so good at that. Spin moves are tough to do. Um, but, but you know, you watch that defensive line on, on obvious passing downs. It's like, okay, I'm going to zero in on this side of the line and see what they can do over there. And I, yeah, I saw a lot of guys making it easy for offensive linemen as an offensive lineman. And I set up to block you and you just come in and just kind of bull rush me, you know, unless you're, unless you've got some pop and you've got me off balance, you know, again, we'll use the gold standard of last year with Hutch and Ajabo. They had so many good moves to make you nervous about speed stuff. If you're thinking speed, 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 and all of a sudden you hit me with a bull rush. Yeah. You can knock me right in my butt. Right. But if you don't have those moves bull rush for me, I got you all day long, man. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to post my inside hand right in your inside armpit and I got you all day. And so, you know, you better be able to develop some things. So it just, you know, the bull rush and simply straight straight ahead pass rushing, he could not make it easier on me as an offensive lineman. And I saw too much of that at times. Yep. There was no pass rush, and that's why that kid earlier in that football game was doing whatever he wanted. And as we've seen from other football games around the Big Ten, if you can't get to the quarterback, you are in for a long day. Yeah, especially against Ohio State. You look at Wisconsin with their mm-hmm. trumped-up defense and everything else, and, oh, they're going to give them a hard time. Well, they didn't. So you're going to have to get something there because if you're blitzing on every third down, and that's exactly what Maryland coach Mike Loxley said, we want to stay out of those positions because they have some exotic blitz packages. But if they're not using those packages because, uh, you know what, then then they're just going to have all day to throw if you can't get there with four oh, guys. And and that's exactly get, what happened. You get to the upper echelon of the, of the Big Ten and, and some of these quarterbacks, if they have that kind of time, you're going to get smoked. Yep. So let's see more of more and more of Oki. And let's talk a little bit about uh, more or more and Oki. It's again, it's not a Noma anymore. It's a, Yo, a Yabi Oki. But that secondary, I thought, played fantastic at times, considering how much time he had to throw. Uh, Jermon Green's been an, an absolute revelation this year. He's been he's been fantastic. DJ Turner had the big play, RJ Moten, but we aren't talking a ton about these guys. Yeah, there were a couple times that they lost communication, especially at the end of the game there, but I think these guys have been kind of the pleasant surprise of this team. Yeah, and you know what? I like watching about that part of the football team, Bows. They look like they're having fun back there. Yeah. I mean, these guys, the body language is great. They, they celebrate together when they make plays. These are all the indicators of, of, uh, of a good, solid huddle. 
guys that enjoy playing next to each other and they're communicating. So on the back end, that's great. They're going to need that defensive lineman to help them out more in the coming yep. weeks. Yes, exactly. So hopefully they get a linebacker back too. Nikai Hill Green missed another game. So they need a little bit more depth there. And Junior Colson, I thought, got blocked uh, a little bit. He had 13 tackles, but there were times that the offensive line got to him. Regardless, as somebody just posted, a win is a win. Don't yep. care. You look at USC struggled to beat Oregon State in the last minute. You look at, let's see, look at the ups, all the upsets and poor play by other teams this weekend. 100%, Shane. Look at yeah. Kansas State goes in there with Nebraska's cast-off quarterback and beats Oklahoma. How do you think that made Nebraska fans feel, by the way? They're cast-off. Yeah, goes to Kansas boy. State and, and has five touchdowns and beats Oklahoma, who was number six at the time. Can they can they fire Scott Frost again? Can they uh, fire him it again? It would be great. I'll ask his mother. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Carol and I have a relationship there, a nice relationship. So um, let's talk now, move ahead to Iowa, because, uh, again, it's hilarious. You and I both predicted at the football summit with huge up north when we were golfing at Tullymore, which by the way is fantastic. We'll be back there again in October that Iowa is going to get better and they are going to be a tougher matchup than anybody thinks. And everybody says, oh, you're stupid. You're old guys. You know, we've been called, by the way, in some of the comments. So we really appreciate we, those. Especially. We are old guys. Yeah. Well, middle. they said middle age to old. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out where we where we fall. So but thanks for the compliment, Junior. We appreciate that. So <laughs> but here's the thing. Uh, you've played in two of those games at Iowa. OK. Mm-hmm. And the two games that you played in might have been the biggest spreads in the last 40 years at Iowa because it is not an easy place to play. Mm-hmm. And especially defensively, you look at those guys, some of the plays they made two defensive touchdowns again against Rutgers. Mm-hmm. So everybody's like, oh, they only had 300 and something yards of offense and averaged 3.8 yards per carry. You know what? It's going to be a low-scoring, ugly game that they're going to try to get you into, and they're going to try to make your young quarterback make mistakes. To me, that is going to be an absolute war. I think Michigan's favored by 9.5. Maybe Hutch can help me out with that. But uh, I see one of those games that's going to be you know, maybe if you're lucky, 24-10, 24-13 or something like that. Well, I think the scoring probably will be in there because their defense is legit. But just just a word about what it's like to play in Iowa City as a Michigan yes. Wolverine. Um, not an easy place. So yeah. outside of Columbus, East Lansing, Iowa's, Iowa's uh, away game is as tough as they get. Um, you know, it, 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 you'll hear they'll talk about it on television. This, the, you know, the fans are right on top of you, and they are. They're very, very close to where the activities are going on on that bench. They're vocal, um, and Iowa has traditionally, over the decades, uh, when Michigan comes to town, it's been a dogfight. It's not going to be an easy victory, uh, not by any stretch at all. And so, you know, I don't really care if Iowa's offense has been struggling. I guarantee you, Iowa's Iowa's looked at that Maryland. Uh, game tape already, and they're saying we can run the football on this Michigan defense. We can yeah. do this, and they're going to use the tight ends, as you gonna, know. And they're going to block, right. and they're just going to do what Iowa does, which is get their feet in the ground and get their big old hands on you, and they're going to block you. And so Michigan had be ready, had better be ready for the old full line drill for three and a half hours, where it's just you know between the tackles, football, uh, and then a play action off of there. Uh, because that's Iowa's that's Iowa's deal against us. It's going to be on Saturday, and it's not an easy fight. And yeah. so, uh, and, and offensively, yeah, they're going to take that defense, and they're going to see I, again the scary part about JJ trying to improvise and extend plays and all that. I, I think defensive coordinators love that. Yeah. And so, if the Iowa secondary can lock up our receivers and make JJ start to start to make things up back there, I don't think that bode bodes well for us in a big noisy road game. 
You know, we've got to get that ball out of there in three seconds or less, preferably about two and a half seconds or less. And those receivers are going to have to get open. It's going to be a difficult football game to win, Ballas. That, that, that defense makes you make mistakes. They want you to make mistakes. They make you drive the field, don't want to give up the big plays, and they don't. So when I hear these people talk, well, you got to let J.J. just sling it and do his thing and don't be conservative. And I'm thinking, that's exactly how you're going to lose this game is by putting a kid in there in his first big road start in that stadium and telling him, hey, go win the game yourself. That is not well, what you want. I, I'm all right with 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 J- letting J.J. sling it if guys are open. Right, right. Uh, but but the, at times, guys weren't open. I mean, there's right. a reason he's standing back in there holding the ball for four right. seconds because guys aren't getting open. And, and so and and how, much other- of that's, how much of that is scheme, though, is scheme, too? That bothers me because when you're watching Ohio State and you're watching some of these other teams, receivers are getting open. These guys aren't getting open. Is that routes? Is I- that... It's it, it's I think it could be a combination, Ballas. Mm-hmm. Route running itself is a discipline, and the greatest of the of those route runners are the guys that are using the head fake and they're planting the foot and they're using their eyeballs to make safeties do different certain things, and and it's just a, it's an art form altogether. That's part of it. Schematically speaking, how much rub routes do we do? How right. much how much crossing are we going to use? We're going to use that back judge right there as as a goalpost and use him as a pick person. And as every other college football team in America does and does very, very well, Michigan's doing some of that. Absolutely. So that'll be part of it. But there's a there's a moment in every football game where it's like, dude, it's me versus you. I got to get open. You're up in press man coverage on me. And I'm going to have to get physical to get off of this line of scrimmage and get away from you to help my quarterback get rid of this football on time. And if I can't do that, you're hanging him out to dry. And so that's 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 the challenge on the edge of the offense, just as the challenge is in the middle of that offense trying to pass block those defensive linemen. Over under 80 yards for Blake Corum on Saturday. Uh, I take the over on that. Okay. I like that kid. He's too tough. Yeah, to too. Be, uh, yeah. Yeah, and he's and he's doing pretty well. Hopefully, Donovan Edwards comes back too. You can't have a freshman in there, CJ Stokes, who fumbled in his first carry and didn't see the field again. Shit, you know, it's, you know, it's funny because you said that, Ballas, because that that play happened. And I watched it, and he just lost control of the football. And yep. and and the friend that I was sitting there watching the game with, I said, "Well, if Michigan football is anything like I remember it, that kid is done for the day." Yeah, <laughs> sure enough, he was absolutely so, Jamie Morris. I'm, yeah, yep. you know, I'm laughing now. I'm not laughing at the young man. Because, no, no, you know, he's doing his best. But that's that's the way it's supposed to be. Hey, if you're yep. a running back, you put the ball on the ground, you don't get to play. See you right. next week, maybe. Yep. Yep. yep, and that Beauchamp, you know, he'll, <laughs> Jamie Morris talks about that all the time. There were a couple of Ohio State games, in fact, where he put the ball on the ground, and I think Michigan State in 1984 when Jim Harbaugh broke his arm, where you didn't see the field again after that. So yeah, you're now they aren't as deep as they used to be. That's the that's Correct. the issue here. So yeah. you got to get Donovan Edwards back and get him involved in that passing game too. I'm hoping that they open up the playbook a little bit. We see some more zone blocking, A, B, that we see maybe some more involvement with the backs out of the backfield. We haven't seen a lot of that. You know, I think that Donovan Edwards can be a backs out of the backfield. I like the tight end action. We're seeing more of that boot action. We're seeing some of that backfield boot action with these tight ends and front side one or two layers. And I know it sucks that Eric All didn't play, and uh, but we've got talent at the tight end position that can catch catch the football and go. So that's definitely part of the offensive weaponry. Yeah, and Jim Harbaugh said he didn't have an update on Eric All, folks. Uh, we're not optimistic on that one for a while, so I don't think there's any way you'll see him on Saturday. However, you did talk about Bredesen stepped up, so they've got yeah. some guys there. Colston Loveland is a kid that can catch the ball as a true freshman, and Schoonmacher, 72 yards, really like that kid, uh, yeah. showed some good stuff. So, hey, he slid in there, right? The expectations mm-hmm. for the position, right? That's the cliche, but yeah. it's absolutely true. 
Yep, so. and he's done, he done a really nice job. And and again, the blocking is coming along. The young Bredesen, the kid there, you know, I think he's he's not physically as imposing as Schoonmacher, but uh, well, he was trying his, his tail off there, Ballas. You know, yeah. he's just fighting in there, and he had a couple key blocks in some big situations. So that's good stuff. We've got some depth over there at tight end. That's good. Yep. Let's talk real quick about the pink locker rooms. Uh, do you remember the first time you went in there? <laughs> yes. Was it true that he put the butcher block paper or the newspaper over the pink? Or That is true. Okay. Uh, when we got there, um, we walked into the locker room and the locker room, we had those paper, like the big wide sheets of paper. It was like yeah. butcher paper Yeah. With the, with the old white athletic tape all over the place. And I was like, and, we, and I had forgotten about it by the time yeah. I got in there. So I walked in, I'm like, what? What's up with that? And I went over and grabbed a piece and looked up underneath. I'm like, oh, yeah pink pink walls and at, the, at that time we were just like whatever you know yeah. it, it just didn't matter so yeah i think that's more of a it's just an old story thing i don't know you know coach fry used to do that and allegedly it had an effect on the opponents it didn't have an effect on us no it didn't you guys went yeah. out and smoked them i think 26 to 12 in 1989 best job ever blocking on extra points by this guy right here we'll, <laughs> we'll pop the tape in i think Hutch has no step inside you know get that shoulder down <laughs> yeah yep and then uh in 1991 you guys went up there and won 43 to 24 jesse uh <laughs> that's pretty much that and uh that and sticks of gum that uh bo Schembechler used to give him so hayden yeah. fry was a great football coach and really yes, got Iowa was. back and yeah. i have a lot of respect for that program we'll talk about that too in a second uh, but um 43 24 jesse house cat johnson you guys smoked him down there did you play a lot in that game do you remember i don't remember that one yeah. i remember i remember you know unfortunately in our senior year tying them at home yeah uh where we again you know turned the ball over too many times but every every iowa game whether i was standing on the sideline watching those older guys play when we were young by the time i got there out there and played iowa is not an easy football game those dudes play hard and Kurt Ferentz the head coach has been there forever now since coach Fry has just continued it along coach Ferentz is an old offensive line coach he's an old school grinder kind of guy and his teams are tough yep they sure are and it was not Iowa that you tied you actually tied Iowa your first year at Iowa I believe in 1988 when Tracy Williams fumbled at the one yard line if I'm not mistaken but uh, and it was Illinois no, it was, it was Illinois. It was Illinois. Sure I'm was. sorry. You're yeah. right. It was yeah. Iowa. We lost to Iowa the week after we lost to Michigan State in, in 1990. 1990. That's yes. right. That was the game I was thinking of. Sorry yeah. for correcting me. I'm just I'm That's getting okay. old. I'm, a, I'm an old guy now, Ballas. Right? I know. We're going to see this so. in the comments, and I'm going to have to go through and delete all these again about <laughs> what dinosaurs we are. And uh, I think Skeen's like a half year older than me. I'm not positive. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to play that out. But all right. So your, your pr prediction on the Iowa game, I like Michigan to win. I think it's going to be tighter than people think. Michigan's a 10-point favorite, and uh, I don't like Michigan to cover in this game. And I think that Iowa's going to play its best game of the year. And mm -hmm. uh, they are really challenged offensively, but they're going to try to shorten the game. They're going to try to run a little bit, play action with the tight end. Got a terrible quarterback, flat out. I'll say it. Iowa fans would say it too, but it's going to be a tough one. It always is. Uh, a one-possession game, sure. I know they're 10 points, or that's two possessions right there. But if Michigan gets out of there with a one-possession victory, which I could absolutely see happening, I'll be super happy with the W, and we can move on. Because just like Maryland was a real taste of Big Ten football play with a much better team than the first three we played, played against combined, this Iowa team, in spite of the fact that their offense looks terrible on paper, don't, don't, don't fall for that, Ballas. All you Michigan fans out there, don't fall for that. Iowa's going to play tough. Yeah, they are. Uh, and speaking of one more rival, Michigan State, wow. 
Uh, Minnesota's looking yeah. pretty good, but they look yeah. uh, they look broken. Michigan State looks a little broken right now. Well, Row the Boat is a real football program, Ballas. And yeah. so we talked about it last week, and we giggled about Row the Boat. The guy mm-hmm. can coach football, right? Yep. So Minnesota looks pretty good. And uh, Michigan State, hey, it ain't rocket science, Ballas. If you can't get to a quarterback and cause problems, you are in for a long day. And then when your quarterback – gives the ball away with two picks and I think a fumble in that yep. game. That is a recipe for a butt kicking every day of the week. And so Michigan State's got some problems right now. It'll be fascinating to see how they pick it up. I don't know who they have this week coming up. Do you At, know Maryland. At Maryland. At Maryland. Oh, that'll be a di- that'll be a little dicey. Yeah. Well, that's a lot dicey. I think that could be real dicey I because uh, Talia is going to just tear him up through the year. I think that's, you know, again, that kid can play. He's got some legs. He can do some things. And Michigan State, they may be looking down the barrel of a long football season here. But then, of course, they're going to come to Ann Arbor and play like Super Bowl champions when they play us. Mark my words on that one. Yep. Um, but right now, they're struggling a little bit, for yeah, sure. They're struggling. they're struggling a lot. Right now, it looks like Ohio State, maybe Michigan, Penn State, and then everybody else, right? And Penn Minnesota, State. Watch out for Penn too. State, man. I know. Yep. We, you know, Penn State is quietly sitting over there and thinking no one's paying attention to us. It's all about Michigan and Michigan or Michigan, Ohio State. Penn State will have something to say about this thing, too. Yep, they sure will. Uh, before we leave, anything bad you want to say about former punter Chris Stapleton this week? No? <laughs> Did I, I didn't say anything bad about him last no, week. No, that's exactly. No. That's, the, that's no. the problem. Nothing. No, no, no. It's Stapleton, the greatest punter in Michigan football history. OK, all right. Chris Stapleton. All right. And and had the greatest of mullets back yes, in the day too. Was, you know, the mullet. And I think he had this I think he had the stash too. Oh, I hope so. If that's I if think, that's true state. If we could we go back, you know what? I could I could look up here in the old in the old programs I got sitting up here and I'm gonna look that up and see yeah. if Stapleton for next week, Ballas, I'll have the photograph ready for Stapleton yes. from, you know, the early nineties and see what that dude looked like. But I think it was straight on you know, Joe Dirt. I'm like, no, not as yeah. long as Joe Dirt, but it was yeah. it was Joe Dirt ish. Straight out of a uh, Beastie Boys sabotage <laughs> video. So, and uh, next week, hopefully, we'll get to John Jansen. We ran out of time today, John. Sorry about that. We hope to get to you next week. So, we appreciate that. But everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, give us a like if you would. Our producer Hutch, thanks so much, and we'll do it again next week. Hopefully, after a Michigan win. All right, go blue. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700.
1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.